Hey everybody, this is Jen Kleinhens. And I'm Rob Vose. And you're listening to another episode of Everybody Hates Your Brand, a podcast where we talk about our thoughts and opinions on marketing, from customer experience to brand and everything in between. Join us today as we talk about the purpose of brand purpose. So, one of the things we try and do with this podcast is to sort of take issues of the day and discuss them and talk about them through our own experiences and um, through doing some research. Yes, we do actually research for this show. Um, People might be surprised to know. Um, (laughs) uh, And one of the things that's been doing the rounds for a while now um, and has caused some quite sort of interesting debates is this concept of brand purpose. So for those of you not in the know about what brand purpose is, essentially brand purpose is um, why your business does what it does. What is the motivation between, behind what it does? And the idea with purpose is it's something of a higher order of magnitude than just making money. So I don't just make toothpaste. I make toothpaste that I give one bottle of toothpaste to everyone well, in. It's not necessarily CSR, but like it might be. It might be. Here's an example I can think of. So, um, a game, which is a video game retailer. For those who don't know. Um, one of the things we talked about was um, being in a workshop and uh, the question was posed, what does game stand for? Mm-hmm. And for some reason, people started talking about things like, well, we stand for trading in old video games. We stand for our reward card. We stand for, well, no, that's not what, that's mm-hmm. not what stand, stand for means. What's our reason for being? Mm-hmm. And I, being the pretentious wanker that I am, <laughs> came up with the, the phrase, um, we're here to promote video games as a positive force in society. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in essence, you're kind of kicking it above. Mm-hmm. We make money from video games. It's not just a utility. A it's a it's yeah, a reason actually, to be. There's a reason a we do this. Yes. Which in games example is horseshit because we're just there to sell video games. Mm-hmm. But in general, but that's kind of one of the things that that's kind of a, 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 I suppose a, a relative example of purpose. And this whole conversation has come about because. Of a couple of things. So back in 2012, um, there was a study, uh, and I, I probably put that word study in inverted commas, um, that claimed a cause and effect between a brand's ability to serve a quote-unquote higher purpose uh, and its financial performance. So it's done by a guy called uh, Jim Stengel. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. Called the Stengel 50. It's worth saying that he was the CMO of Procter & Gamble. So it's not just like some random guy yes. that came up with something. And it was... Or, or to be frank, a researcher or professor or statistician yes. or any of that. Very good at marketing. Maybe not so good at some other things. He did work with Millwood Brown, but yeah. So Yeah, but you know how that goes. I mean, he's the CMO of Procter & Gamble. So we're kind of giving away <laughs> how we feel about brand purpose here. But um, <laughs> So the idea was that they looked at financials of 50,000 brands and 50 were... Uh, the highest performing in terms of profit and all those kind of things. And essentially what they said was that between 2002 and 2012, they exhibited a 400% more profit than an investment in the S&P 500, which is a stock index in America. Standard and poor, I want to say. Yeah. Um, And at the time, Stengel is quoted to have said, I have always believed that great brands are built on improving the lives of people they serve. I want to prove that uh, maximum profit and high ideals aren't incompatible, but in fact inseparable. Interesting there. If you 
the, the phrase that he uses, I wanted to prove that maximum yeah. profit. Yeah. Excuse me, <laughs> sir. We so have some bias hello. present. <laughs> so if we go back to, uh, and if we haven't listened to it, I really recommend you you do uh, episode 11 of this podcast, which was an interview with Mark Russell, who is director of um, Data Insight at uh, Clemenger BBDO in Melbourne. And uh, one of the things he talked about, scientific method is about trying to prove yourself wrong. Because you try and you can find a million ways to prove yourself right, yeah. but you need to try and prove yourself wrong yes. to be convinced that actually, okay, well, I've exhausted every other possibility. Mm-hmm. This, therefore, mm-hmm. must be the answer. So, eh, eh, there. And then the lovely Simon Sinek. Sinek? Sinek? Simon Sinek. Sinek. So he did a, apparently a famous TED Talk, which I can honestly say I've never watched, but I will link to. Uh, where he stated that people don't buy what you sell, but also why you sell it. He uses um, it's, this is the power of why is his big thing. Exactly. And I yeah. believe that's the name of his book as well. But like the, he uses this this trope in a lot of different settings. He um, does. And I, I, he, he, again, I think commits. a Look, he's a hugely successful man and very rich. Um, but we can still make fun of him. But we can still make fun of him. <laughs> um, one of the things we talked about last week in episode 13 was about age and about grouping people together. And assuming they all think the same things. Mm-hmm. But he kind of talks about this idea that millennials, 81% of millennials expect companies to make a public commitment to a charitable cause and citizenship. 50% of millennials say that positive customer experience is a factor, uh, sorry, a, a purpose is, is a factor in their loyalty to brands. Um, 61% of millennials are worried about the state of the world and feel personally responsible to make a difference. I'd like to point out, nowhere there has he asked Gen Z, Gen X, boomers, anybody else how they feel about yeah he's not comparing millennials to anybody else also i'm sorry can i just can i just stop for a second so only 61 percent of millennials are worried about the state of the world and feel personally responsible to make a difference what are 39 percent of these people doing blaming boomers oh god so (laughs) so part of the the problem as you can hear is that is that the study itself uh, was flawed on very many levels. And a chap called Richard Shotton, who's a sort of behavioural scientist in, within marketing, um, well, that's his kind of oeuvre, that the whole flaw, you know, the, the design of that, that whole thing was flawed. Eight of the 50 companies were privately listed, so that goes down to an overall figure of 42. A third of those listed were parts of companies or subsidiaries of companies. So, you know, Innocent Smoothie has a purpose, Um and we know it's working because Coke's, as a holding company, has grown so much. Yeah, so is... in other words, if you read a 10K, which is a financial statement in the US, yep. Coca-Cola doesn't say, innocent smoothies grew X percent in general. Like, sometimes no. they'll pull stuff to the fore sometimes, in the narrative yeah. or whatever. But in general, they're pulling data that doesn't even apply to the company. Yeah, absolutely. It's ridiculous. You know, and innocent is, is, I would wager, a pretty small percentage. For those, but again, of you who don't know, so innocent um, was a, a brand that was started in, I think it's a UK company. Um, built around the idea of, of sort of, I suppose, health and smoothies and all that kind of stuff. Huge amounts of sugar. Kind of a them. weird name for they smoothies. Don't add it, but no, well, the idea is it. innocent, you know, kind of like it's 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 all fresh. It's all you know, whatever. Anyway, um, and if you look at the ideals on the brands on the list, there's some issues there as well. Um, a lot of them are, are so vague you could apply them to any particular brand. So. If you do get a chance, and I'll link, I'll link. Uh, he kind of pretty comprehensively dissects the concept of brand purpose being a thing, uh, and the idea that it, of it there being a causal effect with adopting a purpose and having a purpose and making a 
load of extra money. Yes. So let's 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 unpack that slightly. So I have to recommend a book to everybody, which is probably listen, it's Byron Sharp's favorite business book, which is why I picked it up in the first place. So it was like, eh, I have my problems with Byron Sharp, but like let's see why he likes this book so much. I have a real problem with Kindle books. I have way too many. It's You do. I believe there's a Japanese word for that, where you have too many books and they stack up and you never read any. I always forget the word. But there is a word. There is a word for that. Hoarding, I think. It's not hoard. It's not hoarding. <laughs> I want to improve my mind. Anyway, so it's a book called The Halo Effect, um, and it'd be Rosenweig. Rosenweig, I, be- I believe, is the guy's last name. Um, he's a professor, a very well-respected one, and basically went through a lot of these marketing studies and things. And this one in particular, I feel like he spent some time on. Um, where he's saying like it, it's basically like a self-selecting group. So it's like looking at gold medalists, like Olympic gold medalists, and saying, mm-hmm. what are the things that all these people do in common that mm-hmm. make them Olympic gold medalists and not looking at anybody else? Mm-hmm. So in other words, like, it, you know, maybe they all drink coffee in the morning. Oh, oh my God, I've got to drink coffee in the morning if I want to be an Olympic athlete. But it doesn't look at people who haven't mm-hmm. exercised a day in their life who also drink, drink coffee, coffee in the in morning. The morning. Yeah. So this is the problem is like when you take a self-selecting group of some someone, something, some brand that's successful and you look for commonalities, mm. there's no there's no control. There's no way. Well, guess what? Do you, do you know, I can very confidently say that 100% of purpose-driven brands have employees. Oh, my God. Employees are the reason why we need purpose-driven brands. Yeah. Well, guess what? Every other company has employees, yeah. too. So this is a, a very I mean, you know, low-hanging fruit example, but you see my point. Absolutely. And it, I think that bit about, like, if you'd have looked at the 500 and gone, okay, how many... How many of these can I safely say have purpose? Yes. And what are they doing in terms of their... Mm-hmm. There might be a little bit more uh, sort of validity to what's yeah. what's happening. It's but. interesting because it reminds me of... Um, it, it's like you... I feel like now you can't really start a startup or a brand or something without having something, some Tom's Shoes thing kind of mm. bolted onto it. It's like every brand you see is... We're going to sell toothpaste, but we're going to give away half the toothpaste. Or we're going to sell toothpaste, we're going to donate a bunch of our proceeds, which yeah. like is, is fine. But in a lot of ways, it doesn't feel like it's – even to a startup, it's authentic to the brand. It might be starting from the beginning, mm-hmm. but it, it feels like they feel like they need to do it. It doesn't feel like they're really starting the company with a like a mission uh-huh. to serve a community in mind. Agreed. And I think – I think your point about bolt-on is a key point here. So yes. authenticity is, a, is a, a wanky word you'll hear a lot, but I think is really important in this context. And the idea of um, authenticity is a great definition. So attributes which contribute to brand authenticity include the original source of production, a sense of history, sincerity of purpose, key point, mm-hmm. timelessness, quality of production, traditions that remain over time, and the dismissal of commercial motivations. Exactly. So... It doesn't cost, it, like, what did you say? A principle isn't a principle until it costs you something. I didn't say that. Bill Burnback said that. Well, Bur- yes. Bill Burnback had some good ideas. He in was a very smart man. The 60s. But I think that is the key bit is because, like, look, I'll just say, um, I did spot someone's Twitter bio this week that said brands will lead the revolution. Oh, for the love that of is, God. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't, don't abdicate responsibility for changing the world to a bunch of corporations that, that's mm-hmm. that's not why they exist. It's not what they're gonna do. No. Lead the revolution yourself, please. It was, it's just, I love this. The best way to know if purpose is authentic is whether purpose predated the marketing. <laughs> if you build mm-hmm. a company around a belief, then it makes absolute sense to keep talking about that. And mm-hmm. I don't disagree with any of that. And I think I think both Jen and I would also not disagree with, you know, companies doing good good things in the world. Mm-hmm. That's not a problem. Yeah, absolutely. I think, they I should. Think, 
I think the prob one of the problems comes though with 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 rank hypocrisy, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people have suddenly started talking about purpose because of this this idea that well, mm-hmm. maybe it can make us make a bit more money and maybe our brand will stand out, and that that's not the point of purpose, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> in mm-hmm. uh, uh, or certainly as it's defined as it's defined here, and I think the problem comes when a brand bolts on purpose. Um, and then their behaviours don't live up to the ideals. There are plenty of companies mm-hmm. that do, and we'll come to that uh, mm-hmm. later on in the podcast. But um, people, you know, brands like uh, a Starbucks or, or um, who purport to talk about the community, but then don't pay. They're not doing anything illegal, by the way, when I say this. Mm-hmm. But they're not. They're using loopholes and tax codes and things like that to make to not pay as much tax as maybe they should do. It's sort of in like, certain areas. It's sort of the Trump equivalent for a company, right? Because <clears throat> that was that's Trump's whole thing. Oh, I'm smart. I'm smart. Yeah. I didn't pay a lot of taxes. But the the thing is, is like, look, and I speak as an American. I think this is like a not a uniquely cultural thing, but I think something that you see a lot in in American corporate culture and American culture in general yeah. is. It's my money, and the government's going to try to sneak it away from me. So if I can hide it for them, I'm smart. Yeah. Not the other flip side of that, which is taxes are the thing that we pay so that our society is good, and, so we can mm, educate mm. people and build roads yeah. and you know maybe like make the whole world better. Yeah. Um, so in short, pay your fucking taxes. Exactly. Please. And, I, and I think that consistency of behavior, that because that's commercial, that point, but it costs you yes. something. Yes. And, and there's other great examples. Like everyone remembers, was it Kendall Jenner or it was Kendall, wasn't it? It's Kendall. Kylie is the one I follow on Instagram. Yeah, no, but Kendall's the one. With the the lip stuff. Let's gloss over that. But the Kendall... She has a good Instagram. um, Jenna was the one with the Pepsi ad, wasn't it? Yes. So she's the one who's like a a runway model. So yes, she handed the Pepsi. She did the one with the Pepsi and it was all like diversity and ooh, Pepsi. Well, it was a... I believe it was like a, a... protest that was turning the wrong way and yeah, she yeah. handed a pepsi oh, oh, to she, a policeman and and she she ended yeah. all the strife and i think there's a, there's a there's a i'm going to use an example here um that you can't there's a great phrase i forget who said it but you can't um communicate out your way out of a problem you behaved your way into yes that is a great quote and i can't remember no, where it's come I from. Can't we'll google and link to it but and it's... i'll give you an example so um there's or, or a kind of an analogy, I guess. So, bear with me, because this goes a bit off the rails. Okay. Um, there used to be uh, a footballer called David James. A soccer player. He's still alive. <laughs> no, he's not dead. He's just retired. Uh, David James. He was a goalkeeper. So his job was to stand in front of the goal. I'm goalie. I was standing in front of the goal <laughs> and to prevent, you know, uh, balls going in the net and, and keep a clean sheet uh, for his team. And uh, he was a very good goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, but early on in his career he had a habit so a ball would come across into his area he would try and jump up to grab it and he would drop it he wouldn't keep hold of it mm-hmm. and goals were scored off the back of this and all that kind of stuff so he ended up with a nickname Calamity James oh that's good yeah it is a good line but Gosh. it haunted his career mm-hmm. so no matter what he did to do better and he played for my team Aston Villa yeah. also the team of Tom Hanks and Prince William um and uh, he played for us, and I watched him make some amazing saves. He was a fantastic mm-hmm. goalkeeper. He played for England. He was really, really good. He could have four seasons of being amazing, not yeah. dropping anything. First ball he drops, forget about it. Mm. It went back to Calamity James. And yeah. I think the same. There are certain brands that would have to be so pure for so long yeah. <laughs> that to, 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 and, and to live to that purpose for so long that they just can't do it. Like banks are a great example. Mm. Like banks, some banks, um, you know, you might you might see, okay, they're doing something good in the community and that's great. 
But then when mortgage rates, interest rates change, mm-hmm. uh, and it goes up, all of a sudden the interest rates go up. And when the price goes, interest rates go down, you don't see it go back down, do you? Mm-hmm. So they're putting profit ahead of purpose. And that's fine if you want to do that. Just don't purport to have then a purpose, a higher mm-hmm. ideal than that. It's an interesting thing that you're, you're putting out there too with like the nickname story. So it... There's a there's a great book um, called The Undoing Project. So it's it's basically Michael Lewis who wrote Moneyball and a couple of these other oh, okay. like the Big Short. He wrote this book about um, Kahneman and Tversky. So the two guys that had this new kind of behavioral science uh, things that are very popular yeah. now in marketing. And he talked about in the intro the the power of a nickname. And it's interesting because I think what you're saying about brands kind of applies. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, he talked to. I God, I'm going to have to go. I obviously have read this book a couple weeks ago, um, but I'm trying to remember exactly. I think it was Miami Heat. All right. Um, NBA the basketball, basketball team. team. Uh, and the guy who was brought in to be the GM, so the general manager, mm-hmm. and was running um, basically the, the process that they go through to get new basketball players onto the team. And you would, you'd have scouts and you'd have people. There's, there's a whole team within the coaching staff that basically their whole job is to evaluate new players. And he said what he found was um, – that a nickname would kill a prospect because mm. usually they were giving them a nickname like like you're talking about like Climate yeah. James, which is not a good nickname. No. And he banned nicknames. And he found that when he did that, the actual quality of the people he was <laughs> recruiting to the team went way up because the it's the power of a label. It's confirmation bias. Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, it's it, this is yeah. back to your point about brands having to change yeah. for a long time. If in your mind, Nestle is like the most evil company that's ever existed – it's confirmation bias. Yeah. Even if they do good stuff, yes. you're going to think back to yeah. their CEO saying that yeah. you know water is, is not a human right. Yeah, and or they do one negative thing and all of a sudden all the bad st- all and the good all, stuff goes yeah. away. Um, exactly. So I think maybe this speaks to, sorry, old brands, but for newer brands, like kind of building yeah. building their company and, and all of that. I mean, it's high stakes for your behavior. Oh, absolutely. Because you know, consumers will get an idea in their mind, like Whole, whole Foods, Whole Paycheck. Mm-hmm. Everybody calls Whole Foods Whole Paycheck. doesn't matter who bought it. It doesn't matter. Amazon is cheap. It will always be Whole Paycheck to like everyone. That. That's, so that's a good name. That's a warning, I guess, to brands is like, yeah. walk that talk because people mm. know when you don't. I think the other thing when you look at some of the purpose stuff is that some of the purposes or the lines you read are so either A, nonsensical or B, like bland. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read something from uh, Professor Mark Ritson, one of my favorite uh, sort of marketing pundits. Mark Ritson, you're invited to our podcast at you any are. time. I mean, look, that would be amazing. We'll zoom you in. Um, from, where does he live? He lives in um, I don't know. Tasmania. Lives in rural Tasmania. Oh, we will zoom you in. Um, not that I've stalked him or anything. He just did a, <laughs> did a video he thing talks from about his, it. From I just his, can't ever uh, remember. Office. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so I'm just going to read this. So he was talking about, he was at a conference in Stockholm. It's about a year ago, I think. And an attendee, a Swedish attendee, asked him about um, Verizon's new brand purpose. So Verizon telecom carrier in, in, uh, in America. Um, and what the statement actually meant. So he hadn't heard what it was. And, and so uh, the, the person said their new purpose was humanability. Humanability. Uh, to which he replied, excuse me, he replied, sputtering into his coffee. Um, so that, as it turns out, is the new stated purpose for, for Verizon. So... I just, I mean, and so the person said, what do you think, what does that, what does that actually mean? And to, which, to which he said, it means they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Mm-hmm. Human ability, any yeah. ideas? Uh, so I, I think probably this started in a good place and then quickly deteriorated once they couldn't figure out a unique way to state 
the yeah. brand purpose. And look, having having history in telecom, I can tell you what, what Verizon and sort of AT&T and all of them were, are really afraid of is becoming a dumb pipe. Yeah, that was always the language you'd hear around that time. Um, That's why so I uh, So a lot of the marketing at that at that time was about like uh, how how telecom systems can sort of facilitate <clears throat> human activity. So like Verizon had a lot of stuff about like smart farms, things like that. But honestly, like who, I, I can tell you probably what exactly happened. This is complete conjecture, but I bet having done some things like this, a bunch of strategists sitting around in a room for like 48 hours, they can't figure out how to do this unique spin on brand purpose. So they all go to the bar. And at the bar, they start doing shots. And after about four or five shots, somebody goes, Anzo, what about human That's, abilities? It's ability and humans put together. It's humans and abilities. And we're making Let's this, this that, together. And somebody it's went, beautiful. high five, bro. And they high fived. Mm. And then they put it in the deck. And uh, there, there was go. a beautiful video um, with like a, a woman with like a husky voice doing It'll a be... version of like oh, a Black yeah. Hole Sun or something. Some acoustic, I swear to Rock. God. Can we move past the concept? Of 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 a sort of stripped down, reimagined version yes. of an acoustic, breathy yes. female voice version of an eighties classic. Yes, for advertising, please. And My then God. at the end, humanability came up. And listen, I make fun of that, but those videos are very effective. They are. They yeah. work. Sometimes, like a tear comes to your eye, and you're like, "Damn it, why is this happening?" But you know, listen. Oh, that's my defense. That's we exactly actually, what I was pitching once uh, in Melbourne, and uh, we made. The, the, we made the create the, the client cry, well, prospective client cry. That's pretty good. Get it? So you said, wow. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Just that's a whole show. other pitches is a whole other episode yeah, of, this, of this podcast that well, will be coming up. Pitches, bitches. Pitches, um, bitches. I'm hopeful that we'll have some guests over on the podcast in the next couple of weeks, and we can talk a bit about it with with people who've who've really lived it as well as us. Um, there's a couple of other things uh, to talk about. I think from a purpose perspective, one of the things is. Um, if you're going to get people to try and think about, about that stuff, it creates cognitive effort, right? And everything we know about how people buy brands and the kind of concept of mental availability and mm-hmm. memory and all those kind of things. Physical availability. Sometimes, Physical. despite your best efforts and your yeah. millions and billions spent on marketing, the reason people buy from you is because there's a lot of you. Like yes. the Starbucks strategy. Uh, and you, But you don't, yes. And you, But the point, you don't want people to really, in a way, you don't really want people to think about you want you want, you want, them, to, be you want to, to just mind. be come to mind and be, yes. and if you're asking people to think about well they do this environmental thing or they have mm-hmm. this purpose or they do this or blah, 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 like you're adding in too many layers of complexity to a degree. Yeah, it's kind of like the super center strategy, right? Like it's oh well, I should just go to Walmart or I should just go to Target or I should just go to ASDA or whatever. Um, but it's it's the idea that like the first thing that comes to mind when uh-huh. you buy toothpaste is. This kind of toothpaste. Oh, yeah. I've always used that kind of toothpaste or Tide detergent or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the other the other thing was this bit about, and again, this goes back to what we talked about last week, about millennials and Gen Z, you know, they say they care about mm-hmm. purpose and all that sort of stuff. But if you, there's a great line here. If you ask someone if they donate to charity, 100% of people say yes. If you then compare that to actual charitable income, we know it's a difference. There's no denying that there is ethical behavior. You would think we were more generous than we actually are if you believed at face value people's claims. So this is, it's, it's kind of back to the commitment and consistency stuff. So like mm-hmm. the Cialdini, um, this is one of the most powerful things that they see across a lot of different cultures, which is like basically 
what you say in front of people there's there's more to it but like what you say in front of people you kind of commit to and there's a lot of like social stakes when you make it even when you answer a survey that you just know one person's Uh going to see it you change your behavior what you say and what you do are two different things focus groups sometimes are really they can be really powerful for certain things but a lot of the times people say would you do this yes of course i would yeah Yeah. and that's why one of the reasons you know you talk about the polling for last year not last year's 2016's um Presidential election, you know, all the polls had Hillary winning. Three percent, I think, was and, or six percent is what they had Trump at. It just, I think, at the start of the night, wasn't it like a ninety-eight percent chance that Hillary was going to win, and then at the end of it, Trump had won. It was like it was such yeah. a huge shift. But anyway, yeah. Um, and I think there's a, so I think what we've talked about is is the idea of purpose in the sense of it'll make extra money for you if you just adopt a purpose, if you bolt something on etc is is flawed now i want to be absolutely clear what we're not saying is that is that brands shouldn't do good things for people mm-hmm. what i think we're saying is if you're gonna have a purpose live it mm-hmm. and if you're going to use that purpose in your marketing yes. and to try and change the way that people think about you and your brand or create a more positive feeling in people's minds about you and your brand you have to live to that purpose mm-hmm. and sometimes that purpose might mean harking back to another episode uh, you know a sacrifice in terms of um commercial mm-hmm. to, to prove this this <clears throat> sense of, of of purpose um and there are brands who do a really great job of it you know we, we talked a lot about patagonia you know mm-hmm. now there is a brand and i think the reason they talk about it so much is because it's just an outlier you know it's a brand mm-hmm. that absolutely lives to date its values, mm-hmm. you know, it, in terms of they're trying to convince you to repair old garments rather than buying new mm-hmm. ones. They they actively push you not to buy new stuff. It's like mm-hmm. fix this or don't fix this or donate your old one. Or mm-hmm. um, I, I think they 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 don't participate in things like Black Friday and and those kind of kind of consumerist. I don't know about and, Patagonia. I do know that REI, which yeah, is yeah. I guess technically a Patagonia competitor, sort of. I, I get you know Patagonia is slightly more up up market. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, REI started the sort of, sort of like opt outside. I think it was in 2015, right. maybe maybe slightly earlier. But they've done it now for like five or six years in a row. So they close on Black Friday, which for retail, I mean, look, you don't see it so much in the UK. In the US, like there's fist fights over TVs and stuff. Um, I've done Black Friday a few times. It's an opportunity for retail retail places to make a lot of money in a very short span yes. of time. So basically what REI said, though, is because Black Friday happens after Thanksgiving. So it's the day after. Yes, day yeah, after Thanksgiving. Right after Sorry, Thanksgiving. I've lived in the UK too long now. Um, it's the day after Thanksgiving. So that's a, a day people a lot of times would be spending with their family because mm. you've traveled someplace for Thanksgiving. Yeah. I'm just setting the American context. You've you've driven 14 hours to someone's house, as I used to do from Georgia. Yeah. Drive 14 hours to somebody's house. You have Thanksgiving. You spend the night. And then get up in the morning and everybody who works in a retail establishment has to go to work. But you, Mm. well, you're out buying things. So REI basically said, we're going to pay everybody, but we're just going to close. Because that's a day we feel like people should spend with their family. Again, I think there are other brands. Like, here's a weird one. Like Tesla. So Tesla's mission is to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. I think it used to be transport, not Mm -hmm. energy. But obviously they've kind of, you know, branched out a little bit from there. Mm. Now, I think Elon Musk can be a bit of a dick. But I would argue that Tesla, <laughs> Tesla do live to their, you know, that's what Tesla's there for. Yeah. You know, Tesla don't make a huge amount of money. They're not, they're not making loads of profit as far mm. as I'm aware. I don't think they are. 
um, relative to a Ford or a, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and he invests his money back in to try and make the cars better. And and mm-hmm. and, and I think regardless of what you think about Elon Musk, um, I don't think he's driven by commercial as much as he, he kind of he realizes he needs a commercially profitable venture to continue doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's why he does what he does. It's interesting. Someone described him uh, once on the internet as it's as if someone is possessed by the soul of an 1800s oil baron and a 13-year-old boy. Like both. Both, both shoved into one person. Nice. I think that's a great way to describe Elon Musk. And and yes, I, nice. I do think he's got there's a higher a, higher mission for Tesla. There's a couple of other examples. So Vita Coco, who are a coconut water company, yes. um, created the Vita Coco project to reinvest profits in the communities they source from the Philippines and Sri Lanka. Yeah, I might actually recommend a, a podcast for them. So there's a there's a great podcast called How I Built This. Um, yeah. And the guy who founded Vita Coco like, talks about the whole process that they went through to, to found the brand. It's a great podcast. I think the other the other thing about purpose we we need to talk about is the idea that purpose doesn't have to be people. It's interesting the way it's phrased. It's always phrased as a higher ideal other than profit, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Like, does it have to be that, or can it be something else? Something that it, why isn't making money, you know, a laudable goal these days? And I think there's a question mm-hmm. around. I think the issue there is, and we talk about this a lot, especially if you're a PLC. The idea of making a profit, I don't think anyone's got a problem with maximizing profit is a leads problem. to all sorts of yeah. shady behavior. So I'll give you an example. So like Everlane is a clothing brand that like basically creates very, they have very transparent pricing. You can see and, and sort of like virtually tour all of their factories where they make the clothes. Um, and I think that's a good example of they, to maximize profit, they would just ship everything out to the cheapest factory they can find in, yeah. you know, India or wherever, China and, and make everything. Um, instead, what they've done is they, they do have things that are sourced outside of the U.S., outside of Europe, um, but they're very transparent. They pay a living wage. like. Yeah. And the thing is, is like they also are, are passing savings on to customers. So in a way, they've combined those two things. They've combined purpose and a commercial mm-hmm. aim. And to me, that seems like a very authentic type of purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, like looking for brands like that, I don't want to support fast fashion because yeah. I think you know no. there's a lot of like ethical issues and I also don't want to support fast fashion because they have all these ethical issues and then they're saying, we're going to donate 10% of our profits today to yeah, yeah. whatever charity. I'm sorry, it doesn't make up for no the the way your business exactly. is structured. It's not ethical or purpose-driven. It's that living to your purpose. Exactly. And I think, so I think, in, I think we're going to talk a little bit more in a minute about why purpose has kind of survived despite all this stuff. But I think the 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 key thing, I think both, I think, I'm hoping I'm not talking putting words in your mouth here, but... If you have a purpose, that's great. Mm-hmm. And if your higher purpose is about, you know, uh, uh, helping people, helping the world, helping whatever it might be, mm-hmm. um, that's fantastic. All we ask mm-hmm. is that you live to it. Yes. And that um, you live to uh, the commercial. If there's a commercial impact, you still mm-hmm. live to it. Yeah. And I think that's the key. So in the last part of the discussion, um, just wanted to talk about this idea of how brand purpose then is is still talked about in these terms, despite the kind of evidence, not evidence against it, that's the wrong way of putting it, but this kind of, yeah, why do people keep latching on to purpose? And Mm -hmm. one of the things that that we kind of, and and has been talked about a lot, is that I think, I think a lot of advertisers and marketers are potentially a little bit ashamed of the fact that their job is almost to make money 
for the organization like mm. as a marketer your job without question is to make money it's more to money sell. it's to sell yeah it's to make more money for your for your company than you would uh that would otherwise have been there if you, if you didn't exist mm-hmm. that's the whole point um but if you're working for a particular brand or you're working for a, a brand that doesn't necessarily have purpose or you or you don't maybe agree with everything they do or whatever mm-hmm. you're looking for something else to latch onto mm-hmm. and a higher purpose quote unquote is something that people can latch onto mm-hmm. um and i think again there was um what helps build a brand too like in in a way like if you think about coca-cola like you know that that's a good example of a, a company i mean they're just selling sugar water really yeah. and there's no difference between coke yeah. and any other like generic rc yeah. cola pepsi whatever you pull off the shelf mm. um but a part of What's building that brand is this is this idea of like yeah. you know the purpose driven stuff the brand well, driven stuff. Well, question. It's interesting though, but is Coke's brand driven on enjoying? It's basically about enjoying company, isn't it? And being sociable and, and, and drinking together and happiness and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Which is iffy. Happy, happiness is an iffy one because obviously the amount of sugar in those sort of drinks, but they're not necessarily saying we're changing the world like Coke. We're not making the yeah. world. We're not. We're not improving. You know, we don't exist to. Uh, I don't know, solve global warming. You know, they're not saying that's true. That. Whereas Pe- that's where Pepsi went so wrong. Mm-hmm. Was the Pepsi were saying, you know, we're here to solve yeah. racial diversity and all that sort of stuff. But again, so I'm going to use um, sort of a bit of a line from from Mark Ritson, and he said, "This is his words, not mine." Okay. First, marketing is soft and full of people that don't even understand gross profit, let alone, let alone that possess the desire nuts. to increase it. That drives me nuts. Take one accounting class. Even if you don't understand everything, just take one accounting class, please. Second, Everyone. most marketers are incredibly embarrassed to admit they spend 40 hours a week getting people to consume more of something. That's mm. achingly uncool and sounds appallingly prosaic. Imagine telling someone at a dinner party in London, uh, W1, he describes, which is a posh mm-hmm. bar of uh, Wimbledon, maybe? Anyway, somewhere that way. Um, that you work very hard to get people to drink more of your beer each week. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the interesting thing. I think a lot of, having worked with a lot of creatives, they, they you know, they want to create art, quote unquote. Not all of them. I'm not painting everyone mm-hmm. the same brush, but I think there's a general thing that we create art. We do things that are a higher purpose. We, mm. blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, but don't forget the fact that your whole point you exist is to get make your company that you're working for more money. That's mm-hmm. why you're there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think it's interesting because if you think about even like a show like Mad Men, which I think is a really interesting example because it's like talking about the 60s and like cultural change, mm-hmm. but written by people who many of whom had spent time in ad agencies. You can tell just by the way the show's written that yeah. they had a lot of actual people who worked in agencies. But like... Um, this whole idea of like, yeah, like the man is the account people. The man yeah. wants to make money, but look at me. I'm I'm cool. I'm counterculture. Like I'm yeah. I'm different. I'm interesting. I'm here mm. to you know, yeah, create something that's that's art. I mean, Gonna even like Don difference. Draper. Yeah, his, mm. his whole thing is, you know, yeah. he's he's in the the body of a, a square, but he's like you got a creative soul, that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I do think um. It, it is an interesting thing to kind of think about, like, a, a profession and, like, look, and I, I haven't talked about this in the podcast before, but mm-hmm. for many years was a was a creative person. Mm-hmm. I was in a creative industry. I was a classical musician. Like, I was writing music. I was doing things. And I got into advertising and eventually marketing because I saw it as a way to marry creativity and business. And I still see it that way, despite the fact that I just really like to sell stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think it's a little bit of that edge of I get to think creatively. I'm not, 
just yeah. filling out a spreadsheet, which if you've ever filled out a spreadsheet, you know, can also be creative. Mm. If only someone had told me you could be creative with a business case. <laughs> but, you know, the more I've gotten into it, the more I still, I still find that, like, the, the creativity is a different kind of creativity. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a mathy creativity. It's a data creativity. Yeah. It's a story creativity. But I think a lot of people get into advertising searching for an outlet for writing a novel, writing mm. a screenplay, making a movie. And like, that's all yeah. fine and good. But I think a lot, and again, I'm painting with a really brave, uh, broad brush, but I think a lot of people, especially when you're new to the industry, like yeah. you need to come, you need to create some inner peace around this idea that like, um, you know, brand purpose is not the solution for your own your own personal crisis, crisis yeah. of, oh shit, I should have really gone to film school but here I or, am in, yeah. or I did go to film school and or here I, don't I am believe in what this brand bills. is selling or talking about yeah. or do, whatever, you know. Yeah. It, look, everyone's got their own ethical limits when it comes to the Everybody brands has they will and won't work on. And that's absolutely right. I don't think there's, I don't think there is one human person that doesn't wake up in the morning some right. days and go, oh, I really don't want to be here. I really don't want to be at work. I really don't want to be making no. something well, or doing something or showing up today. I remember uh, thinking this, I was, um, so my sister, uh, Dr. Amanda Dale, uh, is, um, works in education and, uh, she does a lot of stuff for the local community and she was on the parish council and she's all the job that she does. It's, it's a very, it's a very noble thing that she's doing working in education. I kind of was looking at myself at the time and thinking I'm sat here working on mm. McDonald's, Volkswagen and, and mm-hmm. a bunch of other brands that have had, let's, you know, not being rude to anybody, but have had some issues in the past in terms mm. of their perspective. I kept thinking, Christ, you know, I'm not doing, this isn't a particularly noble profession that I've chosen. Mm. And then you start to think, well, maybe not, but you know, a lot of those companies employ a lot of people and you start to justify mm-hmm. it in your own head and away you go. But, um, so again, there's nothing wrong with, with wanting to have that purpose, mm-hmm. but you just have to be clear that the path you have chosen as a marketer is to make money for the company that yeah. you work for. And I think if that's, <clears throat> it's like Brene Brown, right? It's like, if you're not doing something that's true to yourself, it will come out in other ways. You will be angry. You'll be depressed. You yeah. might drink a little too much yeah. or party too much or try to avoid the fact that you're doing something you're not really into. And what I would say to that is, I mean, there is there is an inner struggle. And like, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know if the solution for everybody is to just like, you know, love it or get out i mean but it kind of might be like if it's if it doesn't feel like if it feels like you're always trying to repress something and like the the purpose-driven stuff is a way for you to be your true self Mm -hmm. but the purpose of marketing and advertising is to make money and sometimes these things aren't aren't working together i mean get a life coach go and find a company that or or find a, a go to Patagonia. Yeah, I mean, well, go to REI, which is yeah. impossible to get a job at because nobody ever wants to leave because it's yeah. so great. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, think about smaller places. Think yeah. about you know different ways to yeah. do different things. Like Absolutely. maybe this is not the right path for you. So that's it for this episode of Everybody Hates Your Brand. We hope you enjoyed it. You can find show notes, resources, and more episodes on our website, everybodyhatesyourbrand.com. But before we go, let's leave on a positive note and we'll share what we're loving right now. Rob, what you got this week? Uh, 
more sort of Lesbonet, Byron Sharp type stuff. So, um, interestingly, if you read a lot of Lesbonet, it's Binet actually, I found the other day. And it's also oh, Binet. Yeah, listen, really? I watched it. I've always I, the said thing binet. I'm going to suggest people watch, he says Lesbonet. I'm like, oh, oh blimey. Sorry. That was Binet and Fielding. Anyway, wow. Okay. So, again, for those who don't know, Lesbonet is, I think, he's a director of marketing effectiveness at uh, Adam and Eve DDB, but he's also written lots of papers and he's very well respected in, in mm-hmm. kind of assessing his stuff. And one of the things he talked about in one of his, in the long and short of it, was his idea of excess share of voice. So the idea that a brand will grow if your share of voice is greater than your market share. So if you're over-investing versus your market share. And one of the problems with that idea is identifying share of voice is really difficult, mm-hmm. especially across digital channels and lots mm-hmm. of more gardens and how do you kind of find out what competitors are doing and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So he's looking at and investigating this other idea of share of search mm-hmm. as a proxy, sort of proxy measure for share of voice so that you can identify how your share of search is relative to your category mm-hmm. and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And using that, therefore, as a way to calculate partially the effectiveness of your marketing and how that's going versus your market share size mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, I won't go into a huge amount of detail because he's done a video on it and he talks about it a lot more interesting than I would. But I think it's a really interesting concept. Uh, and there's a video that I will, uh, a YouTube video that I will link to in the show notes. So I think it's a really interesting concept of using search, which the problem I've got with it is the data that he's using is free and it goes back to 2004. Mm. I kind of get the feeling if Google find out that... Uh, people using this as a research tool all of a sudden maybe that data will end up being charged for but um we'll see um so i'll link to the to that in the show notes but i think it's a really interesting metric and maybe something uh, worth looking at god there's a great book about this that i am trying to find the title of I, we will link to it in the show notes but it's all about this it's a it's about this idea of like when um obama was getting elected like yeah. what people were searching and how that was reflected and how yeah. different people were voting despite the fact that the polls were saying one thing he yeah. also i believe talks about trump yeah. and the fact that people like share a voice for trump or share of search was yeah. really high mm-hmm. and what people were searching was telling a different story than what they were telling Absolutely. everybody else so i think that's it's an interesting sort of attached yeah. thing, but yeah, we'll, we'll link to the book. For some reason, I'm having a, a brain problem when it, it comes right. to actually thinking of it. Of course, it's one of those millions of books that yeah. I've read about two-thirds of and we will find have gone it. in the pile. Jennifer, what did you have? Was it Person or Ikea this week? We just it's not either one soon? of those. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. <laughs> I have I have original ideas. I mean, listen, we've had the Peloton for a while now, so <laughs> it's... Uh, Mm-hmm. It's less of a shiny object. Yeah, so basically, um, I, I saw a really interesting uh, ad for... It's it's a Postal Service Creed for 2020. And for people who are not American, you will not know that the Postal Service in the U.S. has a... Um, has, has a creed that they sort of recite or post a lot of different places. It's, you know, it does rain, shine, hail, mm-hmm. whatever. Despite all of that, the Postal Service goes on. Like, it's yeah. just a thing that they live by or whatever. So basically... Um, a purpose, if you will. Yes. Uh, so Ogilvy Chicago um, created a spot for the United States Postal Service because they have been very embattled in the entire league. Yes. There's a lot of stuff going on. If you don't read American news, I'm not going to go into all of it. But basically, there's a lot of mail-in votes that have to go through the U.S. Postal Service. Mm-hmm. And some people, I'm sure you can imagine who, have been maybe cutting some budgets and doing some things that are less than ethical in an, in an attempt probably to – I don't want to get into politics – but basically, like, they've been under attack. Uh-huh. It's Rob's looking at me like he knows I'm tempted. But this is not a political podcast, so let's just... I, I think you can tell by the tone of my Dude. voice how I feel about all of this. But basically, Ogilvy Chicago put together, like, 
their postal service creed for 2020 and it's basically we'll link to it in the show notes but it's really powerful i think because it's basically saying like you know rain snow hail but also defunding or unethical behavior Uh, or (laughs) cronyism is not going to stop us from uh doing our job so it's it's an interesting thing because you wouldn't think like the postal service in 2020 would become like such a hot button topic but here we are um in in the world that we live in at the moment without question the stupidest year uh, yes, 2020. Since I've been alive. The stupidest year of our lifetimes. Yeah, it's a good, just what is, I mean. Uh, a good way to end the podcast. Although, you know, we wouldn't possibly be doing this podcast. That's very true. So, you know, and it's been a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. Well, you did it. You've wasted another perfectly good half an hour or so with Rob and Jen and the Everybody Hates Your Brand podcast. Again, you can find us on everybodyhateyourbrand.com and your podcast platform of choice. Have a week. Take great, great, can be vigilant. Mm-hmm.